Welcome to the Ohio District UPCI Podcast. The following message is titled The Treasure of Pentecost and was spoken by Victor Jackson at the Ohio District Senior High Camp. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about the Ohio District, visit us at ohiodistrict.com. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. If you have it, say amen. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow these vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went on, went from him and shut the door upon her, and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more in the oil state. Last scripture, verse 7. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. I want to preach to you on this subject tonight, the treasure of Pentecost. The treasure of Pentecost. Why don't you lay your Bibles down, everyone close your eyes, lift up those hands. Oh God. God, we need your presence. We need your anointing. We need your spirit. We are nothing without you. Help me to preach what you've put in my spirit. Quicken in me what needs to be quickened. Let the gift of revelation and understanding be in this building. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? may be seated in the presence of the Lord. My life did not begin in a typical family structure. Was not raised to godly parents my parents never went to church. I was abused as a child. I was a victim of domestic violence. I had a stepdad that used to beat the daylights out of me every single day. 
would tell me that I wish you'd commit suicide. I wish you'd never been born. Those were common words to hear every day. He'd punch me and kick me. I'd go to school with bruises all over my body and busted lips. And the teacher would ask, what happened to you? I'd lie and say, I just tripped and fell. I was raised in an environment that beaten punches would come all the time. He was a military man. He served in the Persian Gulf War, and I believe he had some symptoms of that experience where some PTSD that began to bleed into our family. And he'd punch me and said, I wish you'd never been born. And he would mock me, make fun of me. And as a matter of fact, the trauma was so bad, for the first five years of my life, I could not speak a word of English intelligibly. I babbled at five years old, could not form any words because of the trauma that I had endured. The trauma was so bad, my mom had to send me to a speech therapist for a year to teach me how to talk. If you notice, uh, I, I was born and raised in Louisiana, but I don't have a Louisiana accent. My mom and my three sisters, they all have a Louisiana accent. I never got one because of the abuse that I faced and the abuse changed my speech. So thankful for the sovereignty of God. Because while Satan tried to use my abuse to send me down a road into a prison in the future, God used my abuse to shape my preaching. Uh, I tell people often, I, I, I never hated the man. I tried to leave, live up to the man. I never hated the man, but I did learn to hate myself. I hated everything about me. I was the guy that would get kicked off the little league team because of making a C on an assignment. I made straight A's all of my life, but if I made a C on any assignment, my stepdad would beat me and kick me off the team. And so there was a battle in me to try to be perfect. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. A desire in me to be perfect, a desire in me to go after some type of affirmation. And I began to give my life to that sport basketball. I began to work on my craft in the late night hours, in the early morning. It was always basketball. Basketball took me around the country. I traveled all across the country playing basketball. I played in the biggest AAU tournaments in the nation. And I played against some of the greatest NBA stars that you 
you can think of. Uh, I was in the same tournaments. I played with them. Uh, because of my devotion to basketball, it led me on a basketball scholarship to the College of Central Florida. How that works is the College of Central Florida, it was a junior college. We were the number one junior college in the nation. And how that works is universities uh, recruit you out of the junior college uh, so you can transfer after your sophomore year and play your junior and senior year at a major university. I had Division I scholarships from Mercer University, uh, Missouri, Utah State, uh, Clemson, uh, all types of places and letters came through uh, by the dozens. I had my own little mailbox. Uh, every day there would be letters in there. Coaches would come and see me. People asked me, would you have made it to the NBA? I said, I don't believe so. I had a 10% chance uh, of making it, I believe, uh, to the NBA. Maybe 10%. Uh, but I'm 100% sure I'd play professionally. Uh, I got friends that were on the bench uh, that uh, didn't even play any minutes, uh, but they signed Division I scholarships uh, and they are playing, making hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, playing overseas, playing a, a getting half a million dollars a year huh, without even counting the stipend. So I know huh, I'd have made hundreds of thousands of dollars. Huh. But in the midst of the accolades, had a 46-inch vertical, huh, used to play dunk on seven-footers. Huh. They would clap. Huh. They would shout. Huh. They would scream my name from the bleachers. Huh. At one point in high school, on the fast break, they threw the ball off the backboard. Huh. A seven-foot guy tried to turn around and block it. Huh? I caught it right here and dunked it on that seven footer's head. Huh? And when I dunked it, huh, people ran off the bleachers and ran onto the court. Huh? Began to run back and forth. Huh? And they had to stop the game huh, for 20 minutes because the place went bonkers. Huh? Because I dunked on that seven footer. Huh? I got accustomed to the chance of people screaming my name. Huh? I got accustomed to people looking at me like I'd be something great in the future. Huh? But they did not understand that there was an emptiness inside of me. Huh? And there was a dysfunction inside of me. Because huh? there was still a boy that was abused huh? and never knew what true love felt like. didn't know what true love felt like. I grew up in a conditional love environment. There was no such thing as unconditional love. It was, if you do what I say, then we'll care about you. We'll do something for you. And I was raised in that environment where I looked like I had it all together. And I, at the same time, there was a hunger in me for God that nobody knew about. And there was a Bible study on that college campus, they began to talk to me about receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues uh, and then how it would be joy unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, I said, what church do you go to? They said, Souls Farber First Pentecostal Church. Uh, I had already tried five different churches uh, in my first month in college, but there was no power. There was no anointing. There was no oil there. Uh, there was nothing there for me. Uh, but I said, I'll come and try out your 
church. I went to church on that March 15th and 11.45 a.m. after Bishop Varnum got done preaching on the Holy Ghost on eternity. I lifted up my hands in a stoic manner and I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God began to give me the utterance. After I spoke in tongues, I was going to four to five Bible studies a week. People weren't calling me for Bible study. I was calling people to have Bible study. I said, who's having a Bible study? I'm calling people all throughout the church trying, huh? trying to get more of the word of God. Huh? I'd have my pen and paper out. I'd begin to write down scriptures. Huh? I'd wake up in the midnight hour with oneness scriptures coming to my mind. Huh? And I'd just start quoting it. Revelation began to flow out of me naturally. I never could understand the word of God until I spoke in tongues for the first time. And when that oil started flowing in my life, all of a sudden my eyes could see clearly the revelation of oneness, the revelation of Jesus' name baptism, the revelation of the necessity of speaking in tongues and the revelation of holiness. My intellect couldn't get me there. I came from an educational background. My sister has a doctorate from LSU in dentistry. Education that's easy to me. If it was up to me, if God would let me have my way, I'd have a doctorate right now. Education is easy for me, but I know that education couldn't pull me out of that pit that I was in and it was only the oil that came to take me. Bible, Bible study after Bible study, after eight weeks being in church, going to several Bible studies a week, I summed up the courage to start teaching my own Bible study on my college campus. I began to set out seats all in the dorm room, in the living room. I had three other roommates. I'd set out the dorm and put the chairs in a circle, about 15 to 20 chairs, i get Bibles. I'd have used Bibles all throughout in the living room. And international students and teammates would come to hear me teach the word of God. And they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 15 to 20 people would come to that Bible study every Friday, even in the summer. That's where I started my Bible study. I started it in the summer people began to see the change in my life. I didn't hang with the same people. Something had got a hold of me. Something had changed in my spirit. I didn't feel called to preach at the time. I was just hungry for the oil. I was just hungry for a move of God. I was just hungry to obey God. I didn't know where it would lead me. When I first got into church, can I tell you, I come from an educational background. So you can't just get me by by just some emotional thing whenever I was in the world. Whenever I came to church, you know what I did? And I saw, I felt like it was a real experience. I went back home, I printed, I printed off, went back to my dorm room, I printed off a hundred pages on oneness Pentecostalism. I began to study oneness Pentecostalism and apostolic doctrine because I was looking for a shink in the armor. I was looking for some weakness 
is somewhere in the doctrine. And I didn't want to commit to a man-made doctrine. After that 100-page study, when I was done studying for a week or two, I closed my study up. And I said, the only way I could disagree with the apostolic doctrine and oneness Pentecostalism is I'd have to disagree with the word of God. And I'm not going to disagree with the word of God, so I'm selling out. Can I tell you, uh, there's been people through the years uh, that have tried, there's different doctrines that's come to and fro that would try to entice me. You don't understand. You can point out as many weaknesses in this as you want, but before I ever sold out, I already made up my mind that I'd be in this forever and no devil in hell can take me out of the hand of God. You gotta get a made of mind from the beginning that you are committed to the oil. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Three rows were reserved in church for the people that I brought. 15 to 25 people every Sunday reserved the three rows up front. I had the church bus coming to the campus uh, to come and pick up international students, Asian students, uh, Korean students, Jamaicans, uh, Swedish students. Uh, they'd all get on the bus uh, and they'd go to church uh, and they would get the Holy Ghost. We were baptizing them in the college pools. Uh, they were coming out of the college the college. Uh, speaking in other tongues uh, as the spirit gave the utterance uh, because uh, we were committed uh, to the oil. Uh, all I knew I was sold out. Uh, I didn't know how much it would cost me later. Uh, I didn't know how much it would cost me selling out uh, to each step that was laid before me. Uh, I didn't feel called to preach, uh, but I went to a North American Youth Congress in 2009 uh, and they began, uh, Bishop Haney began to talk about the call of God. Uh, right there in the middle of all those people I got on my knees and I heard the Lord begin to call me into the ministry of an evangelist he didn't call me to some general ministry I heard the voice of God calling me to be an evangelist and he said he would put words in my mouth that would be a prophetic tune to the generation that I would preach in I felt the pool of the spirit I felt the oil begin to put a distinction on me. I felt the oil begin to change something on the inside. I went home and I had to have a surgery. I had to have a lateral meniscus surgery. As I recovered over a few weeks, I opened up the Pentecostal minister. I opened up all types of books of ministry. I went, my fasting went to another level. I'd fast and then I'd go to practice. You're not hearing me right now. I'd fast and I'd go to practice. I'd say I'm not eating. Nobody understood what I was doing. This boy sold out. This boy, something's changed in him. And when I got back from that North American Youth Congress, I went up to my pastor. I said, Pastor, I feel that God has called me to the ministry. And his first words to me were, he said, Victor, you could be like Elisha, who got one touch of the anointing oil, and he burned everything that he came 
came from and he went after the anointing. I didn't know who Elisha was yet but can I tell you when he said that, that little five minute meeting, the power of God hit that place and all of a sudden it became an hour prayer meeting. He said after you got a taste of the oil nothing else will do. You got to sell out to it. You got to commit to it. You got to give all that you have to it. It started me. It started me on a journey. It started me to become bound to the oil where I do not dictate my own life. I know that's absurd in this generation, but the oil chooses how I dress. I don't choose how I dress. I wear a suit and tie every day. I have for the last five years. Wake up in the morning, put on a suit and tie, go and study, go and pray. I've done it for the last five years. I've got a planner. I do not choose how I dress. I do not choose how I study. I am bound to the oil and the oil dictates everything that I do. My life is not my own. I have been bought with the price. You can make fun of me if you want to, but can I tell you, I'll do whatever it takes to get another drop of the oil on my life. I'm afraid that the greatest problem with the church today is that the church is too free. Yes, that's what I said. Yes, put your jaw back up. I said the greatest problem with the church is the church is too free. And God never called us to freedom. He did call us to liberty. And there is a difference between liberty and freedom. Freedom means to be free without restraint. Liberty means to be free within certain boundaries that are set by the authority that freed you. And because the authority freed you, he expects complete and total allegiance because he freed you. He didn't save you so you could do what you want and be free. He saved you so you could become bound to him. Hamahasahaya. <laughs> We like the oil. We don't like being bound to the oil. Can I tell you, Jesus said, who the Son has set free is free indeed. Yet he has the audacity to say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I freed you not so you can choose who you want to marry. Not so you can choose your education or your own career. Not so you can do what you want to do. Emma Sataya. I freed you to bind you. I freed you to bind you to my oil, my purpose, my will for your life. Hamamahaya. 
who in the world is foolish enough to get born into the kingdom and do what you want? Hello? Who, who, who is foolish enough to think that way? We come to church bound and we leave free. That's out of the will of God. You're supposed to come to church bound and leave bound. You're just bound to something different. When I came, I was bound to sin, but when I leave, now I'm bound to him. I don't get to do what I want anymore. I don't choose when I want to clap. There is something that is pulling me to another level. Paul said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, meaning I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. Can I tell you, our problem is you have too many options. Paul said, I go bound. I'm bound by the oil. I'm bound. I don't have a choice in this. Uh, he said, for, for I have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, being made free from sin and a slave to righteousness. Uh, in other words, uh, you're supposed to become free to sin, uh, but you are supposed to become a slave uh, to righteousness, uh, meaning uh, that whenever uh, you try, you think about doing bad, uh, righteousness begins to pull on your chain uh, and say, you can't do bad. Uh, when you think about going somewhere you're not supposed to go righteousness begins to grab you by the chains and pulls you back into the bosom of God you don't need to leave camp free this week you need to leave this place bound to the oil to the purpose to the destiny Kamahasa <laughs> That's the problem with America right now. Everybody wants to live here and be free. Watch this. Without abiding by the laws that help us remain free. I'm in trouble now. I'm in trouble. I'm using it as an example here. But can I tell you something? Who in the world has the, the audacity to come to this country and have generations in this country and you be so free that you don't even pledge allegiance to the flag? Hold on one second. It is the flag that is the authority that allows us to be free. Are you hearing me right now? Hey, we need to start getting bound we need to start getting bound. Hey, Paul said, whoever you yield your members to, that's who you obey. So in this country, if you don't become bound to the laws of the flag, you just go to prison. Either way, you're bound. I choose to get bound to the flag instead of get bound in prison. Now it's the same thing to the church. I choose to get bound to God's purpose than get bound to the devil's purpose. Come on, somebody. I choose to get bound to the law that remains. I wish somebody would get bound by a hand clap right now. I wish somebody would get bound with their praise right now. 
I wish somebody would lift up their voice and thank God. I'm so thankful that God loved us enough to free us. But he loved us too much to keep us free. My Lord, I have become bound to the oil. Don't, don't feel sorry for me. Oh, that poor evangelist. Bless him, Lord. Oh, don't feel sorry for me. Believe me, I've had plenty of once-in-a-lifetime opportunities in this movement that I turned down. And you look at me, hold on, but you're an evangelist, though. You're supposed to take advantage of that, right? I, I'm not doing what I do for opportunity. I'm doing what I do because I don't have a choice. I am bound to this. Don't you feel sorry for me? I love my shackles. I love my chains. Don't you feel sorry for me? I embrace the wilderness. I embrace the shackles. I embrace the chains. And I love being bound. Stop feeling sorry for yourself because you don't get to go certain places. Stop feeling sorry for yourself because you don't get to wear certain things. It is a privilege to be bound by a Savior. I wish somebody would run now. I wish somebody would shout now. I wish somebody would dance now. And thank God that I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. Come on, clap a little louder. The oil. It's the oil. It's the oil. It's the oil. That's the oil you're feeling right now. I said, that's the oil you're feeling right now. I said, that's the oil you're feeling right now. I can't help but dance. I can't help but shout. I can't help but run. It is the oil that is pulling me here. It's the oil. It's the oil. I said, it's the oil. I said, it's the oil that got me here. And it's the oil that's keeping me here. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of all the other stuff that's going on. It is the oil that keeps me steadfast. It is the oil that keeps me on my feet. It is the oil that makes me want to pray more. It is the oil that makes me want to preach more. It is the oil that makes me want to help more. I don't have a choice. I'm bound to the oil. I'm bound to the oil. I am bound to the oil. Can I tell you, this generation doesn't need more intellectualism. 
They don't need more debating. As a matter of fact, what made the good Samaritan good was that he was the only one that had oil. The priest was supposed to have oil. He didn't. So he passed on the other side because you can't help a world that's dying without oil. The Levite was supposed to have oil, but he, he didn't have any, so he just passed on the other side. Can't help a generation that's dying if you don't have oil. But that Samaritan carried oil with him. And he saw that man's wounds. And the Bible says that he began to pour oil in his wounds. It was the oil that made him good. Uh, stop, stop trying to be good without the oil. It's the oil that will make you good. I feel like preaching to somebody. The five wives and foolish virgins, they were wise or foolish before the journey started. And they called them wise and foolish before the journey started because one took a little oil and the other took a lot of oil. The journey doesn't decide if you're going to make it or not. It's how much oil you have that decides if you're going to make it or not. Hamamahasirikaya. And we all preach about and talk about that widow with the pot of oil. And we miss an important character in this story that I've come to preach about because nobody wants to talk about him. The story starts as she says, I was a wife of the sons of the prophets. Uh, and you know that your servant did fear the Lord. We don't preach about this man. Because it's because of this man that his family survived. Because this man was a son of a prophet. And he carried oil with him everywhere. And he didn't have any money to leave his family when he died. He didn't have nice clothes to leave his family when he died. He didn't have nice furniture to leave his family when he died. All he had left All he had left 
was the oil. And he said, I don't have much. But you're going to need this one day when the world comes knocking on your door. I know it doesn't seem like much. I know it doesn't seem significant to you now. But there's going to come a time where you go through something. You're not going to ask for money. You're not going to ask for opportunity. You're not going to ask for blessing. You're just going to say, give me the oil of my father that he left me. She had been around the oil so much. She said, all we have is just a pot of oil. She didn't value what the elders paid for. She didn't value what the elders paid a price for this generation to have. These elders paid a price. No, they didn't leave us the greatest of methods. No, they didn't leave us the greatest technology. But they left us what we needed. They left us the oil. And the oil is sufficient. Next time, next time you mock an elder, next time you mock how they did it in the old days, you remember that the only reason you're here is because they left our generation a pot of oil before they left. Nobody talks about him. He left what was most precious to him. He didn't leave fancy houses. He didn't leave fancy clothes or fancy robes. But he said he feared the Lord. And he knew he didn't have money. But he found his trust in something that was greater than money. It was his treasure. Oh, that is the treasure of Pentecost. That is what makes us distinct. That is what changes lives. It is the oil. The oil is the treasure of Pentecost. Let us not ever take it for granted because that's why you can receive the Holy Ghost. That's why you can receive a miracle. That's why God is keeping you. It is the oil that has been passed down and paid for. I wish somebody would clap their hands and thank God for the oil. on his deathbed on his deathbed he had nothing but he said you just hold on to this oil you just hold on to this oil and his family found itself in a situation and they're begging they're begging for help and they keep on overlooking the oil that's in their church and the oil that's in their house and the oil that they've grown up with the oil that has been on a shelf unused because it was overlooked so they're looking for help from everybody else we're in a struggle we're in a battle he says what's in your house all we have is just this oil he said well that is sufficient that in your house that oil that's in your house is sufficient to meet your needs and to take you the rest of the way can I preach to you right now you got enough oil in your own church to become what God wants you to become you got enough oil in your youth group to become what God has called you to become you got enough oil That is the treasure. That is the treasure that I protect. 
I protected the expense of maybe offending people because they weren't there in my darkest moments when hell tried to kill me and he told me to commit suicide. But thank God, I was gonna, I was thought it came into my mind. I was going through such a battle my first year in church. The devil tried to tell me in the middle of while I was praying, he said, just kill yourself. You don't matter. You're nothing. You're nobody. You are what your stepdad said about you. I'm thankful that when that thought came into my mind, that next day I went to church. And I'm so thankful that in the midst of me feeling down at a low point, my pastor, my bishop, he didn't give me an encouraging word to help me. He didn't give me a personal development book to read. He didn't give me a book on business to get me through a tough spot. But you know what he did? He said, Victor, you come on up here. Victor, you come on up here. And I came up there. He said, Victor, you come up here. Come up here in the midst of your doubt. Come up here in the midst of your depression. Come on, Victor. You come up here. You've been battling. You think you need help from everybody else. You lift up your hands, Victor. You think that you don't matter. You think that you're not important. And he said, I got something for you, Victor. I got something for you, Victor. And I know it may not mean much to you right now, but this thing is what's going to keep you. And the oil is going to get on you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the Ohio District Podcast.